If this message were to have a title, I title it A Humble Heart. A Humble Heart. I want to talk about humility um, tonight. And regarding humility, the example that really kind of came to my mind when God um, gave this to me, um, the example is how Jesus came to earth, um, how he came, the way he came. So here you have the Son of God and God the Son, okay? And instead of some crazy triumphant entrance, I mean, understand, he's God and he could have came any way he wanted to. But he came so lowly and so humbly, it blows my mind. He came as an infant in a manger, basically the equivalent of a feeding trough, and in Bethlehem, which is a really small town, really, in the Bible. And it amazes me the way he came. And I think it spoke volumes about Jesus' humility and how important it is to him. So though he was God, he came so humbly. I think that's just profound. And then the king of kings, never having sinned, he dies a criminal death. Dies a criminal death on a cross. If anyone exemplified humility in such a profound way, I believe it was Jesus. And I believe his picture of humility stands to teach us something about humility. Let me read a few verses, and we're just going to start diving into the Word. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 11. Philippians 2, 3 through 11. I'm going to be reading it out of the NLT. It says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Isn't that, isn't that the attitude that he had? Isn't that how he conducted himself? When he was here, let's read on. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all of other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus left perfection to come down to earth for us. He left perfection. He really must have loved us and he must have loved his Father too to be obedient to him. And notice in verse 5 it says, we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. We might not have the same assignment, but we're to have the same attitude. Amen? Okay? It says, equip yourself with the same attitude that Jesus had. Therefore, I think we need to look at the humility of Jesus and we can learn so much from it. Our lives should exemplify humility. And I really believe humility is a big deal to God. I do. And to us, being God, being Jesus, if 
if anyone had a reason to boast, if anyone had a reason to be prideful, it was Jesus. Okay, it, 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 isn't that, I mean, think about it. He was so powerful, so powerful, yet he lived so humbly. And isn't that what can source, isn't that what can be the source of our pride? Things we have, what we know, power that we have, authority that we have. Can't that be sources of pride in our life? He had every reason, kind of on an earthly point of view, to boast, but he didn't. He didn't. He was so humble. It's amazing to me. It really is. He was so humble. He was God, but he was so humble. Let's look further and see what God thinks about pride and humility. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. Okay, that's a good amount. We're going for it. All right, 5 verse 5 says, In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you serve each other in humility, for God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. I'm getting the notion that God is not a huge fan of pride. He's a big fan of humility, but he's not a huge fan of pride. In fact, this verse says we are literally in opposition with God. Just catch this for a second. I think this is just, it's, it's powerful and it's challenging. We are literally in opposition with God in our lives when we're proud. And I think that's hard for us to swallow because we want to think that we could never be in opposition with God. You know, we just got done singing how powerful his love is, but we can it's biblical. You can be in opposition with God based on your pride. Helps Word Studies notes that the word opposed in that verse is actually an old military term for placing a soldier in a specific platoon with a definite order to attack or resist. Literally means oppose intensely. Oppose intensely. Listen, if there's anybody I don't want to be in opposition with, it's God. I mean, come on. You know, I do not want to be in opposition with my Heavenly Father. I want to be in sync with my Heavenly Father. I want to be working with Him. I want to obey my Heavenly Father. I want to be listening to my Heavenly Father. And pride can put a halt to that. I believe this verse further points out how important humility really is to God. In fact, I find it interesting how Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible interprets this verse um, I'll just read it to you. Verse 5 in the message says, God has had it with the proud, but takes delight in just plain people. I just kind of want to point out something, how he worded that. I just, I just thought it was interesting, and it kind of um, brought to memory another um, story in Scripture. But when, when you've had it with something, it's not the first time you've encountered it. When you've had it with something, it's happened multiple times or before. And let's, so let's just make a note here. Our spouse of pride that God witnesses, it's not the first ordeal of pride he's witnessed. 
In fact, God has seen what pride can do to somebody, even his own angels. God has seen the destructive power of pride in heaven itself, starting with Lucifer, who is Satan, and followed by a third of the angels. He has seen pride firsthand, and he's seen what it can do. And honestly, Satan, he was a beautiful angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer, like I said. And Ezekiel 28 says that he was the model of perfection. The model of perfection. But he wanted to be worshipped. Instead of worshipping God, he wanted to be God. And so that started his fall. And people followed him. A third of the angels followed him. And they went out too. And that is a depiction of pride. That just, if you're God, that, that, is, that is such a destructive image of pride. No wonder why he opposes pride. He's seen what it can do, and he doesn't want to see it happen again in our lives and whatever that would look like. And uh, when you study the word humility, in the Bible, in contrary, its definition is literally lowliness of human pride. A mindset of humble opinion of oneself living in complete dependence on the Lord with no reliance on self. What it comes down to is recognizing how much we need God. I mean, we can really try and be God in our own lives, can't we? We can really try and take things into our own hands, but that's not what it's about. Humility says, I need God. I can't do it without him. It's acknowledging how much you need him. We need him. We need him, and honestly, without him, we are really lost. Satan's pride led to him trying to be God himself. If you're trying to make yourself the God in your life, why would, why would we think that God is for that? Why would we think God is with that? Why would we think... Um, he, he's backing us up in that. He's not. He's not. Yet we try and do it. He's in opposition with it, but he favors the humble. In fact, I want to point out um, in Scripture how, uh, how important humility is even further to him. And I want to show you two things that God can do through humility. Number one, through, hum- through humility, God equips. If you're taking notes, God equips. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. This is Paul speaking. It says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. That's a, that's a change, isn't it? We'd like to boast about our strengths, but not our weaknesses. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
It takes humility to really admit that we're weak, isn't it? I mean, it really does. Without God, we are weak, but when we are weak, God is strong in us. In other words, when we are weak, when we are humble enough to admit that, God will equip us with his strength. God can equip you through your humility. You're able to receive God's strength for you through you through your humility. But if we don't believe we need God and we haven't recognized how weak we really are, we'll rely on our own strength and not God's. What makes us think that God's gonna give us something we think we already have? We need God's strength. Paul needed God's strength. We need God's strength. It's when our knees hit the ground and we are humbled and lowly where God can actually equip us with his strength and show us just how powerful he really is through our lives. God will equip through humility. Number two, through humility, God promotes. God promotes. So I'm going to show you another scripture, backing that up. First Peter. Let's go back to First Peter. Chapter 5, verse 6, the verse afterwards. says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. He will lift you up in honor. God promotes humility. God's the one who's going to lift you up in honor. God's the one who's, who's going to promote you at the right times in life. And we're in trouble when we try to exalt ourselves, aren't we? We really are. I believe God promotes humility because he can use the humble. It's hard to use prideful people. It's hard to receive and be obedient to God when we're prideful. I mean, look, actually, through the canon of Scripture, some of the people that were used in the mightiest ways were some of the most humble. People came out of the most lowliest of circumstances. But it was God's strength working through them that made the story so amazing. It was God's strength. God will equip you and God will promote you through humility. Honestly, the only reason um, I'm up here is because I finally arrived at a place um, of humility because I, I, didn't, I, didn't, want to, I didn't want to face the, the fact that I really believed that God was uh, wanting to use me. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to face it. And I had to come to a real humble place in my life where um, just uh, nothing of me but all for you, a God kind of moment. Um, you know, it's not about me anymore. It's not about me anymore. It, that is a tough place to arrive, to completely die to yourself. Um, it's really hard. And I continue, we all continually have to do it um, all the time. But for me, that was just a really hard place um, I was still hanging on to things um, that would have kept me from doing what God had for me, but I had to let it go. I had to let it go. I had to humble myself before God. And I was scared out of my mind. I was full of fear. I was wanting to avoid being in front of people, um, speaking. Um, that is just not me. <laughs> but the hard, the hard truth is my fear, it was rooted in pride. 
You guys, do you realize that some of our fears can actually be pridefully motivated? We may not think of it that way all the time, but our fears can be pridefully motivated. It's, it's what will I look like? Am I going to shake? Am I going to stutter? Am I going to say things right? Am I going to say things of worth? All about me. Me, me, me. And I had to come to terms and deal with those. And until I arrived at an on-my-knees moment with God, he was not able to use me because of my pride. Humility is huge, guys. Much bigger than we give it credit for sometimes. My pride was in the way. I was literally in opposition to God's will. Think about that. I, I don't want to be in opposition to God's will. And sometimes we do not realize what we're doing. But I was in opposition to what he was wanting to do with me. Don't be in opposition with God's will. So tonight, as we're talking, if you were to be honest with yourself, just kind of ask this question to yourselves. Have you been living pridefully motivated? Or have you been living motivated by humility? I just want you to kind of circle that question around as we finish, finish things up tonight. I want to, oh, tonight, oh, this morning, I'm sorry. <laughs> Have it. Youth, it's always nighttime. So, yeah. Morning, morning. Good stuff. All right, I want to touch on three. I want to touch on three biblical characteristics of a humble heart. Can we do that? Can we do that? Okay. We've seen a lot about what God thinks about humility. Now I want to try and uh, give you some biblical points as to what a humble heart looks like. Number one, a humble heart is teachable. Is teachable. Are you teachable? Are you teachable? If there's any book in the Bible that goes for the jugular on this topic, it's James, or excuse me, Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs has multiple verses on being teachable. I'm going to share a few with you. I'm just going to read them out of the ESV. Uh, Proverbs 13, 18. Poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. Proverbs 19, 20. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 19, 27. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge and my personal favorite, Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. You heard it first. It's in the Bible. That is not my words. <laughs> that is the Bible right there. So are you teachable? Are you teachable? How do you react when God brings something up in your life he wants to fix? How do you, re how do you react when somebody in your life tries to give you some instruction? How do you react when somebody tries to give you some advice? Hmm. Being taught is the way we learn, and it's the only way we grow. So think about it this way. If you're stiff-arming instruction, if you are stiff-arming advice, you are stiff-arming growth. 
and you are refusing to learn. If the pride in us refuses to take any correction, refuses advice, we are literally refusing to learn or grow. And I just want to maybe make something clear for everybody, including myself. We do not know everything. We do not know and we will not know. Even in heaven, I don't think we'll understand God 100%. Um, I don't have time to go into that one. But, um, but just understand, we do not know everything. We don't and we never will. And until we realize that, it's real hard to receive instruction from other people. It's really hard to receive from other people until we realize we don't know much at all, but we have a lot to learn. All right? I remember working with coworkers who would literally, I'd, I'd literally hear them say, yeah, I just don't like being told what to do. And, and, and my, you know, the way I was raised, the way I, inside I would just kind of cringe, and I'm like, are you serious? Do you like your job? You know, <laughs> I mean, to me, that was, that was, you are refusing to go anywhere. To me, that was just, that, that was, that was stupidity to me. It was. You are literally refusing instruction, and I just couldn't swallow that one. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when somebody, especially somebody who's reputable and knows their stuff, but Anybody in authority, um, even, even my friends, if they have a, a, some advice that they want to share with me or instruction, I'm all ears. You know, I am all ears. I don't know everything. I want to learn. I want to grow. And I'll just encourage you guys to kind of equip yourselves with the same heart in life. You don't know everything. And there's a lot of people out there that know something you don't. All right? Pride can put a stop to our progress. So stay teachable and humbly receive advice and correction. Amen? Number two, a humble heart is God-dependent. So let me ask you, are you self-sufficient or are you God-dependent? Are you self-sufficient or are you God-dependent? It takes a humble heart to acknowledge complete reliance on God. It does. But the very word humility talked about earlier, like we defined it, literally means to be totally dependent on the Lord. Literally means to be dependent on the Lord. Don't get so wrapped up in the blessings that you forget the blesser. Don't get so wrapped up in the money that you forget whose it is in the first place. We need God. Just like, I think Pastor Lee says it the best. Once he he said in a message that he was giving here, he said, we are really good at adding God as an accessory to our already good life. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenging, challenging truth. We are, though. When life's good, God can go on the back burner. You know, and we don't think we need, we, don't, we wouldn't ever say it that way, but we don't think we need him in that moment. God, you can go back. We're good. We're good. I'll let you know when I need you again. But we need him all the time. Not about us. We need to be God-dependent. And we are lost when we are not acting like that. And that's not our heart. God needs our submission. 
for his will to be done in our lives. I want to show you this. Turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Are you guys getting stuff out of this? Is this helping anybody? Okay. God was helping me um, as he gave me it. So James 4, 6 through 7, it says, He gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. In other translations, it will say, so submit yourselves before God. You want God's favor and grace on your life? We need to be submitted and humble before God. Again, I bring it back up. Don't be in opposition to the Lord. You want to be humble before God. Come back to the place where you realize how holy he is, how powerful he is, how sovereign he is. He's God. He's God. He is in heaven and we are on earth If anybody should be humbled, it's us. All right? God holds our entire life in his hand. Humility is huge. And number three, a humble heart lives to show God. A humble heart lives to glorify God. So let me ask, are you living to show God or show off? Are you living to show God or show off? If we're living to show off, we're motivated by pride. It's not centering around us. Or it's not centering around God, it's centering around us. Our lives should show God. We should give glory. God deserves everything. He deserves 100% of the glory. We did not die for us. We did not die for us. Jesus came, and he died for us. We do not deserve the glory. We do not deserve glory. God deserves it. And every time I come to a place of remembrance about that and how big he really is and how deserving he really is, I am trying to think, what can I do with my daily life and decisions that I make? How can I glorify God through what I do? How can I glorify God with my actions? How can I point it back to him? I don't, I don't want it to point to me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about God. And it always will be. It will always be about glorifying God because he's so worthy of it. In fact, I just want to reread the first portion of the scripture Um, that we read first. I want to show you this. Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 4. I'll just reread it. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Trying to impress others is literally our selfishness. Just let this sink in. Trying to impress others is literally our selfishness, okay? And for whatever reason we try to, maybe, maybe you, you felt like you never got recognition from your dad. Maybe you didn't have much of a dad in your life, but for whatever reason, this is what the word says, okay? And I just need us to come to terms with the Bible. 
not why we do what we do, but I need to come to terms with the Bible and what it says. When we try and impress others, we are literally dealing with our selfishness and our pride, okay? But the word encourages us to be humble instead, thinking of others as better than ourselves. You know, when we try and have, when we have those moments in our life where we're puffing our chest and, and we're trying to show off, it is all about us. And it's not about God anymore. It's to build you up, not to help people. It's to establish how much you know and have, not point people to God. It will always be about pointing people to God. Always. And it may even come off as help, but you and God, you know your motives. That's pride-centered, and Paul is charging the church And Philippi, and he's charging us as well. God is charging us through the word right now. Be humble. Be humble. Be humble. Don't be in opposition with me. Don't be in opposition with me. Be humble. Be humble. So I can use you. I mean, isn't God worthy of it all? Isn't he? I mean, everything he did, isn't he worthy of it all? I mean, guys, let's just, let's come to a place in our lives where we recognize it's, it's not about establishing me. It's not about me being shown. It's not about me being recognized. It's really about God, 100%. It really is. And I think that is one of the most beautiful places to be in life and is when we can come to that place where we realize I gotta die to me. I got I to gotta completely die to me, and it's about God. It's about God, and God will honor that, and God will equip that, and God will promote that heart. Amen? Amen, Amen guys. Why don't you just bow your heads with me, close your eyes. just want to pray.